Hello and welcome to Living Veda. I'm Rachel and I want you to live long and live well. Together, let's explore the ancient art of Ayurveda and yoga so that you can build a life well-lived. I'm here to teach you these truths in a modern and livable way, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everybody. Uh, today, we're talking about periods, and oddly enough, I'm really excited about it. I love this subject. I love sharing information about periods and helping women know, understand, and care for their bodies uh, even more than they already are. Basically, I love women, and I really love the concept of a well-cared-for, well-informed, healthy woman. And you definitely cannot have a conversation about a woman's well-being without talking about periods. So we're diving in, y'all. I want you to know what your period should look like and how it should feel from an Ayurvedic perspective. I will help to deepen your understanding of why your period is so important, what it's trying to tell you, and then what you can do about it. So here's the idea. If someone sends you just a vitally important, life-saving, you gotta get this message message and it's in Morse code, but you don't know Morse code, then no matter how many times they send this message and you get the message, it, it's really not gonna help you. So it works kind of the same way. Understanding and observing the doshas can kind of be like this. Your body is sending you messages and signs and signals, but if you haven't learned the language and you haven't learned to observe them, you're gonna miss the information. So I'm gonna try to help you decode and learn what it is that you are looking for. And let's start at the very beginning with just like the who, what, where, how, why sort of stuff. So what is a period? Um, and what should it be like from the Ayurvedic perspective? Let's start with what, who has a period. So humans who are born with female sex organs between the ages of around 12 to 50, that's rough, y'all, so around 12 to 50, should have a period each month. What is a period? It is the shedding of tissue, which is the lining of the uterus, that is no longer needed in the body because a woman is not pregnant. When should the period happen or when should I bleed? So healthy, normal cycles should be around 28 days long. You measure from the first day of one period to the first day of the next period. And a few days longer or shorter can be normal for a human being um, as well. Okay, so here's the big one. How should it happen? Okay, when you're in balance, your period should be completely symptom-free. That means no pain, no cramping, no heavy bleeding, no emotional disturbances. You should bleed for three to five days, and the blood should be a bright red color, and it should be moderate in amount. And we'll come back in just a little bit to like the why of all of this, but first, let's look at what the period tells us. So the period is an indicator of fertility, hormone balance, and a woman's overall state of health. Here's the, the caveat for instance. If you were on birth control, then you do not know how your period is going. Birth control masks any symptoms and you will not be able to accurately observe your situation. 
Now we can have an entire separate talk on birth control and if you're interested, tell me, let me know, we'll make that happen. But for now, I'm gonna keep this part short. Let me be clear. I am 1,100 million trillion bazillion percent for women having agency over their bodies and an active voice and choice in if and when they have children. I am interested in making that power possible with the least negative health side effects. So for now, I think that'll at least give you an idea of where I'm coming from, but all of that to say, if you're currently taking birth control, and I bet you have a reason why you've made that choice, you will not know what's really going on in your body in terms of your period. The period that you have on birth control is, is not a period at all. It's a breakthrough bleed, it's a withdrawal from the hormones. So um, on some birth controls, you don't, you don't even have that. You don't even have the fake period for really long periods of time. I just want to make sure you know that if you're having a quote period that is from a birth control of any kind, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, so why do we have a period? Let's come back to this big, beautiful question. Why do we have a menstrual cycle? What is going on? <laughs> Let me give you a few lenses. I bet you already understand the really basic physical aspect of this. So a woman's body is preparing for the possibility of pregnancy. And when it's clear that that is not happening right now, the body cleans house. It gets rid of the lining of the uterus and then it starts the process all over again. I wonder if you guys, ladies, people, have also heard of this uh, being referred to as purification. Man, I do not love this idea. I get where it's coming from. I really do, but I'm just not into it. I do not care for the implication that there was ever anything impure in the first place. There's not. There's nothing impure or gross or wrong. The body is simply moving through an intelligent cycle. I prefer to think of this as a time of wise protection. Now here's why. This is my favorite part. Have you ever heard of Margie Profet? And I'm sorry, Margie, if I'm saying your last name wrong, that's a possibility. Anyway, she is an interesting and rather brilliant scientist of the University of California at Berkeley who received the MacArthur Genius Award in 1993 for her work in understanding the disease prevention role of the monthly period. Her work explains how a woman's body has evolved to protect itself. How cool is that? So each month, menstrual blood, which is very rich in immune cells and is the only blood in the body that does not clot, gives your internal reproductive organs a bath. It's important that this blood doesn't clot because it makes it more possible to really wash over the uterus, the cervix, and the vagina. Each get covered every month in an antibacterial, antiviral goodness. And I think that's so cool. <laughs> to me, this is just the wisdom of mother nature at her very best. She is protecting herself. She is wise. And this protection potion is extra important for the safekeeping of sexually active women. Here's why, my friends. Sperm cells very often have bacteria that travel with them. Usually, a woman's body produces cervical mucus that will help protect us from this bacteria. However, during ovulation, your cervical mucus changes in consistency 
You guys know this if you've ever been tracking your own fertility. You check for the consistency of the discharge, right? So it gets more permeable so that a sperm has a chance to make it to an egg. The sperm will then hang out on the lining of the uterus until the body knows that an egg has not been fertilized. At this point, the body starts to clean house. It releases the endometrial lining and all the possible bacteria hitchhikers along with it. It washes the reproductive organs in an antibacterial protection bath and wisely keeps the reproductive house safe. And if you think that this is as fascinating and wonderful as I do, then you might like to learn more. Um, you can check out Dr. Claudia Welch's book, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life. It's, it's a really good one. Okay, so back to the Ayurvedic perspective. We are always in a state of flux, and we are always trying to balance the doshas. And each month, doshas accumulate. Doshas starting to accumulate is the first step in the six-step disease manifestation process. And you can learn more about that process and a lot of other things in the course that I keep telling you about, the What is Ayurveda and How Can It Help Me course. It's going to walk you through that stage in more uh, specificity. And I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to check out the course. But for now, what I want you to understand is that too much of a dosha is a problem. It's the beginning of a problem. And when we bleed each month, it can function as sort of like a natural bloodletting, a natural balancing of the doshas. However, if the doshas have already started to over-accumulate, or if a panavata, which is the downward flow of energy in the body, is weak, then we can start to see symptoms pop up in the period process. So I've even heard some Ayurvedic practitioners say menstruation is one of the reasons why women live longer than men overall and in general. It's because women have this opportunity each month to recreate balance where uh, men's bodies, they don't do that. So how do the doshas govern the parts of our cycle? And before we dive deeper into the symptoms that can pop up as a result of an overaccumulation of the doshas, and we will in just a minute, let's first understand how the doshas govern the period. All three doshas are always involved and they each govern a different part of the cycle. And if you're fuzzy on the doshas and what they are and what composes them and how to find them, I made you a free ebook. It's called The Doshas. <laughs> and you can get it at vedacircle.com. If you'll hit the insights button, there's a place to um, have it sent to you. It's like 50 something pages of dosha goodness. Check it out. And it's great. Okay, now, the kappa time of the cycle. Kappa is in charge as soon as bleeding stops, all the way up through ovulation. This part of the monthly cycle is all about estrogen. Estrogen is a hormone that increases structure. Structure is always kappa dosha. So when estrogen increases, it stimulates the growth of the uterine lining. So kappa time is the time when we're rebuilding the uterine lining. Now the vata time of the cycle. Vata is in charge from the starting after ovulation, so when ovulation ends, all the way up into the start of bleeding. So ovulation ends all the way up until bleeding, that's the vata time. If at the end of the kappa part of your cycle during ovulation, you didn't get pregnant, meaning uh, an egg was not fertilized, 
then you move into the progesterone phase of the cycle. And when progesterone kicks in, estrogen starts to go down. Now we move to the pitta time. The pitta time of the cycle, I bet you can guess. It's the bleeding time. It's the start of bleeding to the end of bleeding. Pitta. So while all three doshas are absolutely involved in each monthly cycle, vata is considered to be the most important and more specifically a sub-dosha of vata, which is called apana vata. Each of the three doshas also have five sub-doshas. I'm not trying to mess with you here. I know that can be a lot. This is another course in and of itself, but I just want you to know that there are smaller aspects of each major dosha that carry out more specific tasks and roles. And in vata, one of those sub-doshas is apanavata. Apanavata is all about the healthy downward flow of energy. It is very important both in menstruation and in pregnancy. And when the downward flow of energy is disturbed, then we can have symptoms and problems that start to show up. So there are, of course, just general recommendations for menstruation. Um, and I absolutely think that individual recommendations are important, especially if you're experiencing symptoms. But there are a few things that we can all do that will help create a more balanced period. Ayurveda recommends using the time when you are bleeding to slow down and turn in. If it is at all possible, rest more, do less. It is also recommended that women do not do a full abhyanga practice while you are bleeding. That's that heated self oil massage of magical goodness that we've been talking about. Um, and this is because the body is already working on processing and removing things. And when if you keep putting more onto the body that it has to process and move through, that can be not helpful. It's kind of the same idea with taking a bath. So another recommendation is we do not take baths. And that is because water is a really powerful force on its own, and it can disrupt the body's natural intelligence and ability to process out the unneeded tissue with as much ease as possible. So lastly, whenever it's possible, use pads instead of tampons. Tampons can have an effect on that natural downward flow of energy that we've been talking about and kind of block things up. Uh, if there are times when you do need to wear a tampon for whatever reason, I get it real life, be aware of the type you're using. We want to try to move towards natural products, uh, cotton that is chemical free. Sticking chemicals up there is generally not recommended. Um, so now let's start to look at period symptoms by dosha. We'll look more deeply at each dosha and what it does when it is not in balance. Okay, this is that Morse code message I started talking about at the very beginning. Your body is very possibly giving you signs and signals that something needs attention <laughs> and balancing. But for so, so, so many of us, we have been taught that those signs, they're just how I am. That's just how it is. That's what my normal is. And my friends, I'm here to remind you that just because something is common does not mean that it is normal. Those are not the same thing. Remember, the period is giving us insight into hormonal balance, fertility, and overall health. If all are balanced and well, your period will be symptom-free. If you are experiencing symptoms, they are connected to doshic imbalances. 
And let's look at the common symptoms in which dosha they are connected to. And we'll start with kapha. So overall, and in general, when you're thinking about a kapha problem, I want you to think swelling and fluid retention. So let's make that more specific. If you are stuck in a kapha imbalance, then your PMS symptoms, so before you start to bleed, um, are more likely to be weight gain, fluid retention, breast enlargement, uh, lethargy, yeast infections, yuck, and uh, slow digestion. Now, when you're actually on your period, if you're in a kapha problem, you will probably experience a stiff back, stiff joints. Uh, the flow itself will have a pale and mucus-like consistency, and it is more likely to have clots, larger clots, more clots. Uh, if you have a kapha imbalance for a long, long time, and you do not choose to intervene in any way, there is the likelihood that that will turn into uh, fluid retention all the time. Fibrocystic breast disease, ovarian cyst, uterine fibroids, uh, vaginismus that is due to yeast, and endometrial hyperplasia. If any of those are sounding like they are true for you, any of those symptoms, uh, and they're sounding familiar, then there is a high possibility that you are stuck in a kapha imbalance. Okay, now let's look at vata. Overall and in general, when you think about a vata problem, think cramps, pain, anxiety, sensitivity, and moodiness. So the PMS symptoms that are associated with vata imbalance are nervous tension, mood swings, anxiety, depression, insomnia, forgetfulness, constipation, bloating, and fatigue. Yuck. Uh, while you are on your period, if vata is a problem, you will most likely experience pain, cramps, a backache. Your period will often be longer, and, but it will be a light flow. The blood will be more of a dark red instead of that bright red color that we're looking for. And uh, it is often associated with irregular periods and spotting as well. Over the long haul, if a vata imbalance is left to, to keep going, it can turn into endometriosis and um, painful periods as well. So if a lot of those symptoms are sounding familiar to you, it's very possible that you have a vata imbalance. Okay, now pitta. When you think pitta, think heat, hot flashes, irritability, anger, and heavy menstrual flow. So the PMS symptoms that are linked to a pitta imbalance are irritability, anger, increased appetite, sugar cravings, headaches and migraines, feeling extra hot and sweating, diarrhea, or even just lots of extra um, bowel movements and trips to the bathroom, skin rashes, and acne as well. So while you are on your period, if you're dealing with a pitta imbalance, it will often include excessive bleeding. Like you feel like you are just burning through pads and tampons. Um, it will sometimes cause an increased frequency of your period. So your cycle will be uh, less than 28 days. And it can also cause headaches and migraines. Over the long haul, a pitta imbalance can turn into 
uh, a heavy bleeding disorder or dysfunctional uterine bleeding as well. Um, so if any of those are sounding familiar to you on the regular, again, there might be a pitta imbalance situation that needs to be addressed. Now, how do we address these problems? It would be very irresponsible of me to start talking about herbs and diet and healing techniques and encourage uh, an overarching DIY approach here. There are tons of helpful interventions when something is out of balance, but one woman's healing technique is another woman's poison. So I'm gonna stick to the universally helpful without being harmful points here. Um, but if you're in the midst of a really imbalanced any of those, you'll probably need some more specificity with other techniques as well. So if you have noticed that you have a long-standing imbalance with vata dosha, then for like all of you who are noticing that, increasing sleep and meditation and a daily abhyanga practice, especially on the belly outside of the bleeding days, can be largely universally helpful. And if you're going to do that abhyanga practice, sesame oil is a good one for the abdomen. And again, we don't do that when you're bleeding. All the other days, though, yes. If you notice you have a long-term problem with pitta, meaning every month for many months those pitta symptoms are true for you, then in general, time in nature and meditation will be helpful. It probably won't be enough, y'all. Most pitta problems also require some type of cleansing process and cooling down, but that is not a DIY thing. Okay, now if you're, but, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try the other two. They will be helpful. Time in nature and meditation will help as well. If you're stuck in a kapha imbalance, then in general, meditation and exercise will be helpful. Um, and much like the, the pitta situation, most kapha imbalances are really going to benefit from some type of Ayurvedic fasting as well, but that is not a DIY thing. And Ayurvedic fasting is very specific to the individual, and it pretty much never means you stop eating. It is, it, it's its whole thing in and of itself. It's based on the individual. Um, so that is just the highlight reel of an introduction, good people. And I'm hoping it leaves you clear on what a period is, why a period is helpful and important, and what ideally your period should be like if it is balanced. Mostly, I hope that you're curious about yourself and your own well-being and balance. I know I say this a lot, but it's true. The more we can recognize and observe the signs our body are giving us, the more power we have in our own healing. It's like this, that the sooner we listen and pay attention to the signs we receive, the more likely we'll have an easier time restoring balance with a low level of intervention. We want to listen to the whispers of truth from the body before they turn into screams. So next week, we're going to continue this conversation about periods. And we're going to talk through a few different typical period problems and look at them through the lens of Ayurveda um, and try to understand a little bit better what might be going on. But for now, I'm going to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for rating, review. Please keep helping and share this with anyone who you think it would be helpful to. Um, women having 
power over their own healing and their own cycle is such a beautiful thing. And let's share the information, people. Uh, thank you. Happy observing. And until next time, may all diseases be calculated by a power.